AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But But nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. When I write y'all, all across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, Pomona, California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer county. So if you keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangsta Chronicles. Gangsta Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Uh, 
my nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Hey. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA Big James and Big Steel. This is strictly from the streets. Hello. Welcome to the Gangster Chronicles podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. Jill, you know what it is. Another episode of Gangster Chronicles. I'm with the homie. Big Steel. Man, hey, this has been a long time. You just came back from, from Europe, trouncing all over Europe, man, out there killing the shows. I saw everything was sold out all the time. Yeah, man, it's all good, man. Tell people um, they treat us a little differently overseas, man. Seem like you get a little more respect overseas, and and people really uh, appreciate um, where you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how long you've been putting in uh, work trying to represent uh, whatever form of of hip hop you may call your shit. Um, you know, just to be able to go outside of, of the States and, and see that, uh, at least what I've been able to do, uh, is, is, is greatly appreciated when you got sold out shows in different countries and, um, people can barely speak English, but they know your motherfucking songs word for word, um, that's just that's just appreciation. You feel me? Yeah, it's appreciated for sure, man. Um, I noticed that too when I went over to Japan. Over in Japan, you get Michael Jackson treatment. England, you get Michael Jackson treatment. Germany, you get Michael Jackson treatment. And over here, it's kind of just like, oh, what's up, man? Because <laughs> everybody over here is a rapper. Everybody over here got a podcast. Everybody over here actor. Everybody got something going on. But it's all good, though. Ain't you a legend, man? I think it's just different levels of, you know, uh, you know, it's it's a little difficult, you know, in some in some places. Um, it all just depends on how people received you when it comes to over here, you know. Uh, we got a lot of different uh, artists, a lot of different territories and boundaries and shit like that. So. Uh, mm. A lot of that tends to play a part in your acceptance from a lot of niggas, you know, um, which is unfortunate because um, I never got into music to uh, try to glorify a certain aspect of uh, where I came from or what we was banging or whatever, you know. Niggas knew that because we was doing that before we started rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it wasn't like a lot of trendy shit today where, you know, it's cool to gang bang now. It's cool to- It's a fair you now. Um, it's, co- it's cool to claim the, the hood and territories and um, shit, you know. I, you know, today shit, I could grow up in, in, in fucking Pittsburgh and say I'm from a neighborhood in Compton, you know. Uh, that's how it works today, which is, you know, no disrespect because a lot of uh, niggas died and uh, got locked away for um, 
trying to be true to the to the the hood life, but uh, neighborhood. You know, it, it, it it's a it's a give and take. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you come from the from the streets and you are the artist. Uh, you um, like I said, I never got into it to glorify one side. Uh, I was just making music because niggas was struggling. You feel me? Yeah. That was Crips, Bloods, Essays, niggas in Texas, New York, Chicago, St. Louis. That's what I made music for because I looked at it like shit. It's almost like this, you know, which, which is a good segue into introducing tonight's guest. He's the program director from 95, from 1995? 97. From 1997 on up to 2005, 2006. That one of the biggest, it was the number one radio station in the country at his time under his regime. Uh, and I think it was um, Power 106 was number one and Hot 97 was number two. Well, I mean, both were number one in their respective markets, but I oversaw Power 106, and then I spent a lot of time at Hot 97, and then I had 32 stations in the middle. That's right. You were in charge of Hot 97 for a minute, too, huh? Yeah. After the little Kim shooting, they called me in to calm the shit down. And, you know, (laughs) he shouldn't need an introduction, but this is Damian Young, and he's pretty much the one that's responsible for bringing gangster rap to the rhythmic format because you came right in during the time the whole death row thing jumped off oh yeah whole death oh, row yeah. thing <laughs> jumped off and that's why when i was asking eight if he had met you because i just yeah, knew you knew it. That we never met yeah. before i just knew him nice to finally meet you sir all day because i just knew i said at that time eight was like you know as far as gangster rap go eight was like you know god out here oh i i definitely knew who eight was it's know. just they never worked the records to us yeah that's eight and that's maybe some of that disrespect you was talking about. i said and i thought about it i said eight didn't have a lot of records on power i didn't have a lot of records on the radio period yeah. um you know not that i didn't see radio as a valuable tool um I, I just, I just, um, I never geared my music towards radio. Um, and that goes back to when, when I started rapping in the garage with the homie making tapes, you know. Um, I always saw music as a struggle. Um, everybody did different shit. You get me? We had the niggas who would get you in the party and shake you up. Uh, we had the motherfuckers who, you know, had the danceable tunes and all of that. I was, I always considered my music uh, the score for the neighborhood. So, you know, all those stories and all those shit that we saw, um, I wanted to put a sinister soundtrack to that shit. That's why... Um, I don't know. I never thought about making club-friendly songs or uh, songs that that that's, that Epic could go, you know, pursue on the radio or whatever. I, I never thought of it. And then the crazy shit about it was the label never asked me to do that type of shit. They didn't have to. You got to think about it. They never asked me for radio-friendly songs. Did you know how valuable you were to the Epic system? Think about this. They was going to get a gold or platinum album out of you every year and didn't have to spend no money on radio. Um, That's honestly, crazy. I thought That's I was, crazy, a, honestly, I was probably a write-off to Epic because um, 
I mean, shit, Epic had Michael Jackson at the time. They had Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. They had Shaw Day. You know, <laughs> they. Had you know, I just thought about cool that. They, they never tried to get a record with Shaw Day? Cool I mean, Epic Records, man, they. They were distributing Def Jam at the time, weren't they? Sony? Yeah. yeah Sony, Sony was, was distributed. But like me at Epic, I mean, who could you, like, again, they had. At the time when I signed to Epic Records, they had Michael Jackson, who had just came off of Thriller. Mm -hmm. They had Pearl Jam, who was one of the biggest motherfucking rock bands at the time. And they had Sade. So, and MCA, that's a cold rock. It was a write-off, nigga. Shit, I wasn't no significant. I didn't get no... Um, I didn't get no significant they Epic didn't know what to do with rap music back then. Um, they had no idea what to do with it because like I said, when you look at those three artists, nigga, they were selling the label. You get me? So that it was one of those things where they was like, man, we got some money to fuck off or throw away. Everybody doing this rap thing right now. So fuck it, let's go grab us up some artists. You know, and but you every artist, years? every artist that they had up until I came along, they didn't know what the fuck to do with. And you was there for ten years, right? I was at Epic from, I want to say about ninety one, ninety two, till about ninety seven. See, like, and I came in at 97. Yeah, yeah. you came in 97, so, so yeah. I, I left Epic right at the, like you said, the height of death row and whatever. But I left Epic because everybody got fired. They brought in a gang of new motherfuckers. I think they had brought in Ron Sweeney and a couple of motherfuckers, and wow. they didn't know what they was doing beforehand. So I just decided to say, fuck it. And did my last record, and that was it. Yeah, before we um, before we go into this conversation with my man, the Miz, because we got a lot to talk about, bro. I gotta, you know, we gotta dig in the trash can a little bit and talk about the news, the goings on, and the musings of what's going on in the internet land right now. Um, you know, when I was on my way up here, my phone was blowing up. People was telling me, "Man, did you see the stuff with Diddy? You know, did you see the stuff that's going on with Diddy, man?" And I said, "Wow." Now they don't drug Meek Mills all up in this mess, man, wow. and talking about that him, Usher and, Usher, and Usher, and they got a thing to where some dude is suing them for molesting them. Mm. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is just like man. Yeah, I I have no idea what's, what's yeah. Going I, on. I, I know you don't do I it. Try to um. I believe a motherfucker is innocent until proven guilty. So I'm just and and, and 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 I'm with all of that shit too. But I've learned right now to just stay the fuck off my phone when it yeah. comes to looking for you know because <laughs> man, when I was in when I was overseas, man, I was, it's just they don't do all that over there, do they? Nah, motherfuckers wasn't on their phone and worried about Instagram and, and, and social media and all that shit. And it just, you know, I got time to not have to fuck with it because everybody knew I was overseas on tour. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just crazy how every time you can go on your phone, it's just some shit. Yeah. That's, that's what kind of fucked me up and wore me down because... 
it's just like everybody is on some shit, man. Just like, and like, no, no bullshit. Like everybody is on some shit to where I be trying to look for a little sense of normalcy with motherfuckers. Like, is it, is it, is a nigga just going to be normal today? You know, can a, can a nigga wake up today and not see this nigga talk about this nigga Mm -hmm. or this nigga expose this nigga or this doesn't happen or that, that like, like, I'm going to tell you the saddest part about it, man. Like the whole thing with Benzino, you had people over there. You see what I'm saying? It's just shit, man. It's just, it's just a gag of shit. I'm going to say it was this, right? The stuff with Bazzino, this grown man is on there crying and people think this is a joke. I'm like, man, a lot of these dudes got mental stuff going on, man. They need some help. Like my boy, my man, Benzino, shout out to Benzino. He a friend of the show. He's been on here before. Um, You know, you had Benzino, you had the stuff with Kodak. Talk to Benzino, not even like maybe a month ago. He He cool dude. Like, you know, so that's, I mean, not like whatever, but it's just like, It's just a gang of shit, man. And I don't know, like, the end game is it for? Is it for money? Is it for popularity? Is it to is it to boost your status? You know like, what I think though, bro? Me and you, now we come in here and we do this show faithfully. Every week. You've always shown up, unless it's just like an act of God. That's the only way we ain't here, right? Right. We just had us some time off because we always take time off from the last season. This season, the people, you know, hitting me up online. When the show coming back, it's like, damn, I'm not a machine. I need, I'm an actual human being. Me and eight are human beings. We need a break sometimes. Hell yeah. You know, shit. I was going to come in last week. I was fresh off the plane. Man. I was going to come in, but you know, we, you, you got to take a little time. Yeah, you know, because I was like, I was on my deathbed last week, dog. I was sick as a dog, you know. So it's like you look at this, and this is what I want to go back to segue into this. Today, in today's market, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, prior to the show starting, everybody has a podcast nowadays. Um, it's all for clicks. Yeah, everybody was starting to rap around 97. Rapping to me felt like a thing that was special. Everybody didn't try to do it back in the day. You know, it wasn't a million people rapping. But then once people saw that there was some monetary value in becoming a rapper, you had everybody, everybody wanted to become a rapper. I ain't gonna say an MC because MC is MC. You were MC8. Hence your name, MC8. You know, you were MC, you were a storyteller. Yeah, we took pride in, in creating stories you know, from from youth life or <coughs> or just from what the shit we seen as kids because shit was valued differently um, when I grew up, you know, five, six, seven years old. Um, times were different. Was it gangbanging and shit? Yeah. Was it niggas selling dope and going to jail and shit? Yeah, but... Man, man, these cameras and these phones and these social media stages, man, have give like like you said, like it used to be like, nigga, I know I knew I wasn't finna be no basketball player. You get me? Mm-hmm. But now you can't you can't do that. You feel me? Now today, you got a thousand motherfuckers finna sign their kids up for basketball, knowing damn well niggas shouldn't be playing basketball. And they're doing it for the wrong reasons. You get me? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
fuck it. All you got to do is put in a motherfucking laptop, a couple of little speakers and a microphone in the corner in your kitchen. Everybody's a rapper now. You get me? Um, uh, fuck it. I'm going to find a beat program on fucking internet and start doing some one, two, one, two beats. Everybody a producer now. Like, I, I knew what position to play. I knew I could MC, but... Nigga, I ain't finna get up there and try to DJ just because we got speakers here and, I mean, turntables and shit. And I'm, nigga, fuck that. I'm DJ 8 now. Nigga, I couldn't motherfucking scratch a record or transform or do none of that shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna fake the funk to do, you get me? I'm gonna play my position. Today, motherfuckers don't know that. Like I tell you every time we get on here, some people have, people today have a problem with being just normal. Being normal. I got a problem yeah. with that. I, I fuck that. I can't be, nigga, I'm finna be the next this, next that, or next that. And this, when you could just be your motherfucking self. And period. this man, when he came in, he pretty much, because you got to remember, prior to Mr. Remember we was clowning, we was having fun with the lines on top of the dun, 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 Everything sounded like a Planet Rock beat. Everything was techno for Everything us. was techno. And this man came in, and it started getting a little gangster. <laughs> so we go right. go we, we go go from the, we go go from the beginning, Miz. But I gotta talk as power was such a big part of your life, right? When did you come in and decide it was time to shake shit up? The second I walked in the door. What did you see going on? <laughs> because L.A. had you know Eight had his own theory about L.A. radio. He said, "Man, it was what." Well, I mean, it was wide open. Like I would, I you know, I was always somebody who just loved music. So I loved rap music. So I loved Dr. Dre, The Chronic. I loved, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg. I loved all of Easy E. I loved. I drive up and listen to Julio G and K Day. You know, and Tony G and the Mix Masters, and you know, all Battle Cat and all of those guys. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I got there, that was my goal was to emulate K Day, but bring it back on that level and make hip hop the number one format in the world. Because they just said we couldn't do that. So I was just like, fuck you, of course we could. You know, yeah. because if you go anywhere, anywhere you'd hear rap in the streets. Like for instance, you know, when I first played Ain't No Fun and Morning Drive, people had a coronary. You know what I mean? The management freaked out. So I literally had to put it in our research to show them that it would test more than our current records. And that was a light record to me. You know, even though they subject matter, you know, it ain't no fun if the homies can't have nothing. Yeah. But that was a fun record. That's like a record that should have been on the radio to me. Well, but the thing was, is it, 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 was, it wasn't really censorable. You know what I mean? Like, even when you muted the stuff, you exactly. knew what they were saying. Definitely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I had some barriers to overcome, but I proved them each time. And like, for instance, when I put Dre and Snoop together for 2001, it wasn't for 2001. It was because I wanted to see the show. So we did it in Hawaii and did a whole contest around it so that literally I could see the show. That's dope, man. So you, <laughs> you, just, know what I mean? so like, you just pretty much got the have your own party like so you said i'm gonna do this so you just like you power was my personality yeah. sorry to interrupt it's all good yeah. so you just like like you programming your own playlist on the iphone right now you said i want to see this and this let's put this together if you let the ultimate rap fan into a building and said you have a transmitter that's what it was 
that's what it was. So, so tell me, so when you first came in, you said you started right off the rip, like we go shake some stuff up. Oh yeah. And then you had this monster of a record label, which was Death Row. Did you hear about the ass whoopings and everything that was going oh, on? Oh hell yeah, I was friends with Johnny J. Johnny J was my first mentor in production. Yeah, rest in peace, Johnny J. Yeah, rest Incredible in peace, dude. Johnny J. And Ronnie King, shout out to Ronnie King. And, you know, those were like the first people that I met when I came to L.A. So, you know, it was right as, you know, all that was going on. And Johnny actually gave me Unconditional Love by Tupac. And it was exclusive content for us, but it made Death Row a little mad. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I ended up getting notes on my car and all this stuff. But I, I, I ended up meeting Suge, and I just found out if you treat people with respect, you'll get respect. So that was that. Now, your first interaction with Suge, how was that? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're the radio dude, so I'm pretty sure he was treating you nice. And just for the record, Suge wasn't out here whooping on everybody. No. Like, that. like some of that stuff was kind of like blew up. He was whooping some ass, but everybody wasn't getting their ass whooped on. Well, he, he got, had just gotten out of jail. And the Anaheim Police Department came to me. We, were, we had a powerhouse. And they came to me and they said, we're going to shut your powerhouse down. We hear Suge Knight's coming. Because I had Snoop. I had Corrupt. I had Nate. I had, you know, I mean, I had everybody that used to be on his label. So they said, you know, we're going to shut it down. I said, well, why doesn't somebody just call him and invite him? Then we'll know where he's at. Mm -hmm. And they said, great, go ahead. And I was like, Me? And so I ended up calling death row. And the first time I called, I remember Cedric, uh, who picked up the phone, hung up on me, didn't believe it was me from power calling for Suge. And then I called back again, and he's like, dude, people just don't call here for Suge a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's at home. So Suge got on the phone, and I, and, he, and I said, yo, I hear you're coming to Powerhouse. And he said, what's Powerhouse? And I said, come on, man, don't fuck with me. And he was just like, oh, okay, you know, you're funny, da 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 And I was like, yeah, so come be my guest come to my suite and all this kind of stuff. He's like, wow, no one's ever really invited me to something. That's what it is. Sometimes that's all it takes. Because I'm going to tell you something. And he was cool as shit. He parted in the thing and had a blast. And I'll tell you the funny thing, though, is the next morning, I didn't realize that he had all those Compton police officers with him. You know what I mean? Like, during that era. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, Sunday morning, the, was a knock at my door and I walked downstairs I opened the door and there's a basket there with a bottle of champagne and all this kind of shit and it said my co with compliments Suge Knight I never give that motherfucker my address <laughs> you know what I mean like exactly but he obviously see with Suge you never know it could be twofold yeah he was just showing you he appreciated you but in the same token he let you know I could yeah. find your ass if need be so you better keep this nice yeah. guy stuff going on well, but he always was, he, you know what, he never gave me an excuse. I was always honest with him. You know what I mean? If there was a record we, he wanted to play, he'd say, come up. You know, one time I remember I, he wanted to come up and play the Crooked Eye single. And, uh, and I said, well, if I tell the mixers that you're coming, they're not going to show up. So we surprised the mixers. <laughs> and when he walked in, they all hit the back wall. Like, they all got up and were, I'm like, he's not going to kill you. Like, See, that's kind of like, you know... And Jimmy Steele, the program director, by the way, when he was smoking his cigar in there, I said, Suge, you can't smoke in here. And he put, he put the thing out. He's like, I'm sorry, Miz. And my program director literally shit himself. Like, I mean, <laughs> he was just like, dude, what are you into? How, how are you asking Suge to put But you know, that's the thing, though, man. And this is what I'm going to say about that. You can't, you can't do your business, make black culture your business, but be scared to deal with the people. 
It's well, true. that's because, you know, the image that, you know, uh, that was put off by past, you know, uh, past situations or, you know, uh, what you hear word of mouth, um, that scares some motherfuckers, you know? You hear a motherfucker that hung a nigga off a balcony or you hear a motherfucker that had motherfuckers' asses whooped in a private room, in the red room, or niggas hear stories. Mm-hmm. So, and especially at the executive level, that scared the shit out of motherfuckers. When niggas got to the point to where they start walking in labels and offices with baseball bats and ready to beat motherfuckers' ass over records and songs played, that changed a lot of era for motherfuckers. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, though, Mizza made it cool for everybody to come to the station, though. Because you just didn't extend that treatment to should. Yeah. I guarantee you, A, because you was on priority around that time, 97, right? 98. 98. I guarantee you, if somebody could have connected y'all to, just took yeah. the time, just did their job and just said, hey, Aid is coming out with a record because that album, you had some joints that could have played on power. Yeah, uh, we kind of switched it up a little bit when I got the priority uh, through Mac 10, through Who Banging. So, um, was that the Mark Benish era? Um, I think Mark was there. Yeah. Uh, it was Rest a few dudes there. It was a few dudes there at Priority at the time when uh, Mac T and that who banging. And Master P was the same thing. I mean, he had that aura or whatever of, you know, don't fuck with him. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, the thing was, is like what, because Mark Benish was a, was a big influence on me. And he taught me just kind of how to deal with people. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to experience this. And he actually put me in a room with P and Boz to see if they could intimidate me kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I was just like, it is what it is. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I could say about you is that you definitely was fucking with everybody. That's why when Eight told me he hadn't met you, I was like shocked. Yeah. That let me I'm know surprised. the priority just dropped the ball like a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then like I said, I was... Um... I've never been a um, a nigga who quest for, you know, that type of shit. You know, and there's people out there, you know, like, oh, we need to get with the we need to get with the program director, and we need to do this, and we, need, you know, managers and all that shit. I've never had that. You get me? Yeah, because see, that ain't necessarily your job. To I go, was the you type. Know what I'm saying? But and on Hubang, and I mean, I I had such a great relationship with Mac Ten. I'm just surprised that. Yeah, because I didn't, um, again, I was, I've always been sort of a lone wolf type of motherfucking artist. Um, (laughs) When the the work is done at the studio, nigga, I'm out of here. And I'm going on the other side of the motherfucking planet and you probably ain't gonna see me until it's time to do something. I wasn't a nigga who just hung out. Like a lot of people, you know, we're active in the community. Uh, we're going to go to concerts. We're going to go. I never did that shit. Yeah, I, I would never see eight around. Yeah, I never was around. That's why we never met. Yeah. You know, he I wasn't go that sh- hangout yeah. type no, of guy. I didn't. Yeah, that's I didn't do the clubs. I didn't do the, the radio station functions, the powers and the big cons. I didn't do that shit. Well, I told yeah. you when we first came in, him was sitting here talking and we was talking about you. And I said, man, to be honest with you, 
I love doing the show with eight because eight is really no nonsense. Like you always go know what it is with him. It ain't no ulterior motives. It ain't no bullshit. He go tell you what he think on his mind and that's it. And I told him, I said, well, man, the first year we did the show, I said, man, I might talk to eight, five minutes outside the yeah. show every week. And I was kind of worried. I ain't going to lie. I can say it now. I was like, man, this dude don't talk. I said, how are we going to do this show together? Yeah. Especially I, when all the other stuff started coming up. And then once he got the, he a dude that trust is earned with him. You have to earn your way in with him. He's not going to give you the Hollywood political phony shit. He just going to give it to you raw and uncut. Yeah, it's enough niggas for that. <laughs> it's enough niggas to play that position. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to play that position. So um, you just have to know what it is, man. I'm a simple motherfucker, but like you said, I don't like to bullshit around because there's a lot of, when you've been in this radio music shit, man, you see a lot of fucking bullshit. Yep, yep. And you see a lot of motherfuckers that you think are one way. Motherfuckers really ain't authentic, man. You know, some niggas is cutthroat. Some niggas don't give a fuck about shit. And so that make you really, you know, you got to stand with your back against the wall and just watch motherfuckers coming. You and feel me? With him saying that, Miz, you was in a real pivotal time, man. It was dangerous. It's still dangerous on the West Coast, but it was dangerous as the motherfucker back oh, yeah. then. yeah. Especially if you had something that somebody wanted. <laughs> and, I, and as soon as somebody see you, they just see, man, this dude can change my life. He could play my record. Then, not knowing how the industry work, he can play my records a hundred times a day if he want to. And every you guys have a playlist, correct? There's yeah. a, there's a playlist, and is that playlist is based on research that they actually do call out and see if people what people are fucking with. So they got to play with that because the average person that listen to radio, and this is some game out there for y'all rappers that think that radio is hating on y'all because I had to go get educated on it. It's based on what call out says, correct? Mm-hmm. If ain't nobody, if there's no demand for your record, <laughs> ain't no demand for it, and the average motherfucker that listen to radio only listen to it for 15 minutes at a time. Am I correct? Is it 15 minutes? Yeah. They only listen to it for 15 minutes at a time, so what they're trying to do, when people wonder why they're hearing the same damn record all the time, is because that record shows test good and call out, and they're trying to catch it. So when eight get in his car driving back to BFE, they can hear the records, the hit records that they like, and make their trip pleasant. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. In 15 minutes, you want to you want to have like the hottest record in the world, the one classic that makes you go, oh wow, and one that's like either coming down or coming up kind of thing. So, I mean, you, you want to keep people's attention as long as possible. You're fighting for quarter hours is really what it is, mm -hmm. the 15 minutes. And the more 15 minutes you get, the higher the ratings go. Mm -hmm. So every 15 minutes, a million people would tune in, but how, did you, how long did they stay? And my thing was, yeah, the records were one thing, but we were, what I was trying to get was the passion records, you know, all about you, uh, you know, ain't no fun. All the records that were never on the radio before that would make people go, oh shit, that's on the radio. You know what I mean? Because I was just a fan of it. So that's what I wanted to hear on the radio, the shit that I never heard on the radio before. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. 
Thank you to the geniuses of Spoken Audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And that's dope, and it actually worked. Now, did you ever have those moments? Because like I said, it was a real dangerous era. Oh, fuck yes. Did you, something that you can talk about, what's the most trip, what artists really just just trip you out? 
What artist? Or art, anybody, manager, whoever. Well, I mean, I've had you know people pull out guns. I've had people offer money. I've had rappers that I did favors for, and they didn't understand why I did it. Offer me guns, bring me backpacks, and hear them clank. And it's like, you know, it's like that's not what I'm doing this for. If it was right for my radio station, I fucking did it. Mm -hmm. So you. Never... I mean, how long did I spend with you, Steel? I mean, explaining everything. Man, he broke it down to me. You know, I was artist. I was young at one time, everybody, you know? All right. And so I'm an artist. And so I'm like everybody else. I'm kind of ignorant at that time. Because you know how you, in that young mode, you think everybody hating on you, right? So I came up there with the intention of not liking this motherfucker. He stopped <laughs> me from getting what I need. Once he broke it down to me, I was glad he did it because it changed the whole way I made music and it changed my whole direction, kind of. And I felt like a dumbass. Well, and it only took a couple of those type of meetings before everybody kind of got it. You know what I'm saying? The dude's not an asshole. He'll either play your record if it's right for the radio station or he'll tell you why he can't do it. And I eventually it. got a record that was played. I, got a, I had a couple oh, records that was played. I got a good story for you. Mm -hmm. The Booyah Tribe in Hawaii. Okay, what happened with them? Was so Shug sent the Booyah Tribe to Hawaii to uh, disrupt the, uh, the reunion with Dre and Snoop. And Snoop came out and he's like, the Booyah tribe's downstairs. You know, we're going to go down in this. I said, hold on, I'll take care of it. Oh, little white boy, you going to handle this? I said, don't worry about it. I got it. So I went down there and first thing I said was back up before I knock you out. Like, <laughs> and they all looked at me like, that's this motherfucker right You know what I mean? And, and I said, look, I've known you guys since back in EYC and when you guys were making EYC records on MCA. And if you guys ever want to get your records played, there's a way to do it. You guys are going to come in and join the party or... You're going to fuck up the party. Which way you want to do it? And Godfather, rest his soul, just sat there and we talked. And the next thing you know, I mean, to this day, I talk to Gotti all the time, Giant all the time, Cobra every once in a while. You know what I mean? I love those guys. And the Booyah, that could have went bad. Oh, it could have went real bad. But, you know, at the time, I really, you know, I was in, I just didn't give a fuck. I was the happiest night of my life. I got the concert done, you know, this kind of stuff. I wasn't going to let somebody so fuck you, it up. Um, so you know, scary though. <laughs> you knowing the history that Suge had with them, because when Dre left Death Row, that was some, you know. Oh yeah, it, it was some shit behind that. It wasn't no easy shit, you know. Well, and he dropped the Aftermath album, and then he dropped the Firm album. So when I went on the air with the promotion, I got a call from Jimmy Iovine saying, "What are you doing? Why do I have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bill on my desk for a producer who doesn't produce, who's out, whose label I'm just about to try to sell?" Like, he was ready to sell the label and take it into receivership or something. I mean, he, he was, he's like, and a rapper I haven't seen since Death Row. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? You're responsible for this if this shit doesn't work. And I'm like, fuck it, let's party. You're going to get a record. And so you, you was responsible for putting them in to go do that record? Well, I, I put them together for the show. And then when they clicked, when they clicked up, then the conversation started. You know, DJ Jam was really a, a big instrumental person in that as well. Like, we, I invited them both to Powerhouse first, mm -hmm. and Snoop was performing, and I, I somehow talked Dre into coming, and I handed him a mic, and I had Jam ready. And, I, you know, when he, when he first showed up, I, I switched the, uh, the uh, names on the door so that he'd walk into Snoop's dressing room and think it was his. Yeah, and yeah. they bumped into each other. And that's how the conversation other. started. <laughs> they, they, they wound up bumping each other, man. And yeah. I know that 
you changed the whole dynamic of how the West Coast was getting down. I'm talking about not just not just an LA radio, but what they was doing up in the Bay. Oh yeah, because power was so big at that time, and I remember going to one of the, that was the one good thing about that era, right? Just the concerts they used to have, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember I got to go up there, man, because I was running with high seeing them at the time. And I remember got to go up there, man, and seeing Nate Dogg just turn the whole summer jam out, just doing nothing but hooks. Yeah. It was the craziest shit ever. Nate. It was the it, my best buddies. It was the craziest shit ever. So <clears throat> what do you think the hardest aspect of that job was, man, as far as you dealing with so many personalities in LA? Was the gang shit a big cause you oh, cause you was pushing gangster rap. Oh yeah. It was, I mean, you know, you can't deal in gangster rap without dealing with gangs. And there was some pressure and things like that at times, but I mean, everybody, you know, if you're just cool, just explain it out. People, you know, when you said like there ain't no normal motherfuckers around, right? Like we was just normal motherfuckers. So if you came up and you kicked it, you realize that we're just real. It's just now radio has got this funny shit, you know, and just people in general. Yeah, after the COVID and the Zoom shit and all this kind of shit, nobody fucks with anybody, so they don't communicate. And the shit gets fucked up. You know, what you were saying earlier about another thing that I'd like to just say is the storytelling and the songwriting fucking sucks these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I would listen to some of the stuff. I'm like, well, what the fuck would I play? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like you got verses that don't have nothing to do with the hooks. You yeah. have hooks that have nothing to do with the verses. You have two verses on some songs. One verse, I mean, it. You know what that is to me, man, is that... Bad mentorship. Yeah, bad mentorship, and nobody is actually being produced today. Yeah. Because what happened is, you get a dude to buy a beat online, and that beat may already have a hook on it. They just think the hook sound fly. They're not going to try to write around a hook or nothing like that. They just go throw a verse. They go email him to get their homie on there. They go bug the shit out of eight to see if they can get a verse from him on there. And it's just like there's no continuity to the records anymore. I asked a new artist, and this will blow you away. I asked a new artist the other day, has anyone ever vocal produced you? And he said, what's vocal production? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, It don't sound... You, you know what it is, man, today? It's like this. Hates <laughs> him. See, hey, you know how you talk about nobody want to be the normal motherfucker? And this is the uh. biggest thing I saw, man, because you know I went... After I stopped, you know, doing music, which I never really did, I went, I got a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. And so I was working as an A&R. They wound up hiring me as an A&R for the publishing company. And the biggest thing I learned is that people want to be famous, right? I would meet a lot of groups because, you know, when you can give deals, it's a different, it's a headache, man. I would get people coming to the office, right? And when I first got the job, I would really entertain all that. You know what I mean? I thought it's my, it's my job, right? So I'm listening to everybody. I would meet somebody in the manager. I'd be thinking, damn, the manager should be the rapper. He just got more of that, you know what I'm saying, the swagger. You meet the rapper. The rapper is sometimes sometimes horrible. Sometimes they got some good shit. They got some bad shit. So what I started doing is I started really telling motherfuckers the truth, dog. It don't make you popular, but I, I wouldn't go waste no more of my time. I'd tell them, man, this ain't it. This ain't it. And it would be times to where I did get some I would be mining for gold and find some stuff. That's how I found a kid from Dallas that did ice cream paint job. Oh wow! You know and that wound up being my first platinum record. You know, because um, it was like I had a dude that sent some D 
demos into some beats, right? And he had this one kid, I forget the, I forget the act, Doro. He was making some records with this kid named Doro in his apartment down in Dallas. And so I was like, I flew him out here and we wound up being able to do a deal and it wound up blowing up, wound up becoming one of the biggest songs in the country. Wow. Wound up becoming one of the biggest things in the country. Um, but I think there's definitely nowadays, man, some selfish motherfuckers now. I'm just saying that, I mean, people just don't give people shots like that. Well, you know what? I, I didn't know no better back then. Uh, that shit, giving people shots, eventually wound up causing me my damn job. Oh. I did that shit all day. You feel what I'm saying? So, Mizzy, I know you hold... I mean, yeah, that, but uh, the times was different. Yeah. You get me? Uh, giving, a, giving a motherfucker a shot back in our time was a motherfucker who was really, you know going to a studio and getting and getting molded and crafted and and being able to follow niggas like uh Ado or Snoop or Dre or or the forefathers before him. Uh you said the key word craft. I mean today motherfuckers are just trendy. Um they wanna do whatever is trendy or whatever think uh whatever they feel is gonna get them a lot of clicks. Or a lot of streams, and you know, I can go buy me a hundred thousand dollar chain, and you know, a lot of niggas, uh, you know, the subject matters became uh, one sided. Nigga, I'm talking about hustling some money, popping some pills, and fucking some bitches. And the younger generation got a hold of that, and it was like, oh, we finna run with this shit. Fuck it. <clears throat> Nigga, but money. My Bentley, my Rose, nigga, we pour or, or, or whatever we drinking and your bitch or your nigga, you get me? That's what rap became. Like you said, there was no, there's no, no substance. You get me? Yeah. Motherfuckers might hate on a Run DMC or, or a Slick Rick and shit, but you but get me? Those are songs. And that's the difference today. I said, motherfuckers don't. Yeah, you can rap, motherfucker, but can you make a song? Well, you you know the the, the biggest thing you said though, eight, is that you stayed in your own lane. That was one of the things I respected about certain. I got like a I got a certain group of artists that I hold up there like as the kind of like the pantheon. It's Scarface, yeah. It's MC8, it's Cool G Rap, and it's kind of like a toss up between the mother two. I got like probably like two or three more. It's the the dude from the Roots. Um, What's my black boy? thought? Black thought. Black mm -hmm. thought from the roots. Um, I got crooked eye up there, you know, to esteem. There's certain people that I don't want to hear commercial stuff from. I just want to hear them do what they do. You feel what I mean? Do you think that um, in this era, it seems like guys like that can kind of flourish? Do you think it's actually a need for radio nowadays? I think radio is all fucked up. I think it, it hasn't evolved. You know what I mean? Like, so. I mean, as it stands right now, it's the only media that has not made the jump to the phone. There's no app. It's not, you know, iHeart needs to be completely, I mean, the redundant costs in iHeart is what's killing iHeart. I mean, they'd spend, what, $8 billion to make two, you know, some weird stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's ways to evolve it, and it just hasn't been done yet. Yeah, you just go get me an eight, just fucked off. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's all good, man. But that's what we do. We talk. We don't do no censorship. Sorry, no, yeah, no, no, we <laughs> no, 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 you tell the truth. We don't censor nothing, man, because um. But I just I've always thought differently. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but 
you know, I mean, I made gangster rap the, the pop. Mm, you, you know think, what I mean? I, you, I know what works and what doesn't. Because because being from L.A., right, me and Glasses had this conversation all the time. Glasses, you know, on the West Coast, gangbanging is a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. You know, you know, when I first came out here, I found out I had certain friends who's like uncles, mama, everybody from the same neighborhood. They were always from the same, you know, they, it's like a family tradition almost, right? right. And you would never know because you look at this dude's mom, like nice older lady, and she used to be, you know, she from the hood though. Yeah. She's from the neighborhood. And um, Glasses told me one day it's almost impossible for someone from LA to make it as a rapper that don't belong to somewhere. And he said, that's why you see so many people that not, that's not necessarily hood orientated, but they've latched on to somebody or somebody don't latched on to them and now they kind of claiming that hood. But it's almost on some, um, almost on some acting shit. Well, rap is a street-based uh, artist expression thing. I mean, it's, it's, it comes from that. So if it's not organic from that and people don't co-sign it and say what he's saying is real and accurate then it doesn't grow and that's what where radio is fucked up right now is all these programmers and everybody they don't have any connection to the street they don't have little homies they don't have all of these things around them to where where they can hear what's coming up you know they're just figuring out right now there's a lefty gunplay well Eight months ago, Bams was listening to Lefty Gunplay, and I could have told you that shit was a hit. Well, you know, even you know what I mean? like, even what they're doing with the Chicano brothers now, right? With the Mexican homies, yeah. right? They want to have a representation up there, but it's none of it is authentic. Everything is so plastic and phony to where they almost go get the saccharine version of this. I'm going to go get the saccharine version of that. And I think it's a travesty, dog. Outside of Big Boy... There are no other black people on radio. Not in LA, unless I'm missing something. Well, I mean, the head. Oh, go ahead. I question that a lot too. Uh, to be um, a place where the and like I said, not to be discriminating against the essays or the Asians or whoever participates in this thing we call hip hop. Um, but it was a foundational. It was it was a black foundation for hip hop uh, when it started here, um, with K Day, uh, Greg Mack, uh, like you said, Uncle Jam's Army. Uh, that was the foundation of of West Coast music, and it's it's crazy that out of all these decades of of, of great black hip hop artists that we don't have but Big Boy on the radio representing, especially for a place like K-Day. And you know what's funny about it though, Big Boy, Big Boy is the face, right? He's the face, he don't really break no records. As, as crazy as that sound, am I correct? Well, but the, the head of the iHeart out here is Doc, mm-hmm. and Doc is black. Yeah, I know that, but don't, a lot of people don't know that. What I'm talking about is people that you can actually see. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I don't you know, know if you have, if, what you know, artists have access to Doc or not. You know, uh, people that you can actually see. And uh, the average person out here that ain't in the business probably don't even know who the fuck Doc is. Shout out to Doc. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, exactly. But they probably don't know who he is. What I'm talking about, man, and even for the, because I can't speak for the Mexican people, right? But even for them, 
It's so many dope-ass Mexican artists that don't get played because oh, yeah. they're giving them a saccharine version of it. I even think that the shit that Kool-Aid had back in the day was dope. Focus, Pedro, Local. Focus, Pedro, Local shit. That shit was dope because it was authentic. It was real, right? Yeah. And to be real with you, I don't even know why we got to have classifications of shit like that. Just put music out there. I think I think once you start getting, once you start classifying shit as something, that's when you open up the room for bullshit. How come? Because I'm pretty sure, because I got a lot of essay partner rappers, like you do too, eight, right? Definitely. I guarantee you, if you hit Mr. Criminal, Lefty Gunplay, that they want to be identified as just a rapper. Let me just be a rapper. Why they got to be the Mexican rapper? Man, you get, you're going to get me started on a whole... Man, let's get stuff when I got no, you up here for keep saying, it real. You know, you said something. But I think, I think man, that Am I they, being honest, my man? But I think that, I, I don't, like I said, I think they, you know, sometimes they want to be identified as, um, you know, like, I don't know if just, just saying I'm a rapper because... Just saying I'm a rapper, like, that puts you in the category of all the other sorry motherfuckers who ain't rapping good. That, to me, puts you in a, you know, like, we representing our, you get me? And that's dope. Ain't nothing wrong with, see, I'm not talking about the cultural representation, right? Right. I'm talking about just the whole thing, right? We just only go play y'all in this time slot or during this thing. I think it's dope. I remember when Lil Rob came with Summer Nights. Look, that was a smash record across every motherfucking thing. It was. I didn't give a fuck who you was. You couldn't hate on that record. Yeah, I did that one. I brought it. I, I broke that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean, you know. But you feel Our what I'm saying? brought that to me. But you feel what I'm saying, though? Yeah, it's yeah. It's like, let's just have it somehow because, to me, I'm not talking about the cultural thing. I think you're supposed to represent your culture. I'm with Ladasa, you know. Right. I'm with all that well, shit. But I ate, hit it on the head. It it was when we started this thing, or back then, it was for the love of the music. And it was the craft. And it, was, it wasn't the biggest thing in the world. So all of these white executives and Wall Street and all that kind of stuff weren't in our mix. Now all these publicly traded companies own all the radio stations, own all the record companies. The liquor company Seagram's, when they bought Universal, was the beginning of the end of music people in music. Mm. It became corporate. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, now you've got all these white executives running radio that have been living off what we did 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And it, the gas tank is empty. And that's what I mean right there. But you just said it right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's time. I don't got nothing against Jimmy Steele. Hit the re the but it's time for them to go. <laughs> After a while, man. <laughs> change is always necessary, Mizzen. Change is always necessary. But does it happen, though? It, it, no. Because what happens when you have right exactly. When you have somebody in that position, just, just like with everything, you get me? Of course, change should happen, and there should be more black NFL football coaches, and there should be, but at the end of the day, does it really? It, and like, it don't have and, and budget cuts, it ain't going to be Jimmy Steele. And I'm gonna tell it's going to be the talent. And I'm going to tell you this right here, right? <laughs> I don't give a fuck if a motherfucker is black, green, or whatever. As long as they from the culture, bro. As long as a motherfucker is at least from the culture to have enough common sense to say, okay, I'm going to play this little Rob record. Okay, I'm going to invite Suge up to the, you know, just shit that's common sense. Because when you're not from culture, you're not from the culture, you're not going to exercise I mean, I, shit in common sense. I considered like shit when back in my days, when Kid Frost came out, I didn't go. 
oh, nigga, that's a Mexican rapper. I just went that nigga hard. That's what and I'm saying. Cypress Hill came out. I yeah, exactly. Oh, some essay exactly. niggas from Wooty Woo. I said, man, that shit is hard. You get so. I, I, it, to me, it all, it's, to me, it's all about the music you put out. Whether you black, whether you whatever, shit, you can be white. I mean, shit, if you just put out some good, hard, decent shit, we don't categorize it as, oh, that's a white motherfucker, or that's a black motherfucker, or them niggas is, niggas go, nigga, that record hard as a motherfucker. You, that's what I go. Yeah. Now, if shit is mediocre, it's just mediocre. Let me ask you this. You can't do shit about that. Where is but Doc there is from? a double standard, though. Definitely. There is a double standard. Trust me. Oh, speak on it. Well, I mean, because it's like, you know, the way that the game works sometimes is the people that end up, that you end up helping and they get into these positions, they, they'll turn around and hate on you. You know what I mean? Like, to try to, like, hold on to their little spot. But you're not a threat to them. You put them there. You don't want to destroy their brand. You want to help them. They're not doing well. It's like, let me help you. No, you're a threat to me because you're going to bring someone new in. Because I was new and you put me on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to revitalize your brand, not fuck you up. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Recently, Power just let go, Felly, let Felly Fell go, yeah. right? Felly Fell has been around almost since the beginning. Yeah. Did you bring Felly in? No, uh, Jimmy brought him in, but I'm the one that hooked him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, he was coming from Texas, and he had some second thoughts, and Jimmy had me call him, and Felly, I closed you, it. You know, and you look at stuff like that. Felly was a dude that was at that radio station for 20 years. And the way they fired him was fucked up. 20 years, man. And you know, Philly didn't even let him finish the show, grab a box, and we're going to walk you out, shit. You know, the thing with Philly, I, I, Philly had a love, you know, Philly helped people, piss people off too. You ain't going to be able to make everybody happy, but for the most I part. piss people off every day. Yeah, but for the most part, Philly was a good dude. And if you brought him a record that he liked, he was going to try to break it. He was going to break it. Philly helped break a couple of my records. But the thing is, to just to do a motherfucker like that, dog, that, that has been around you so long, like, hey, how would you feel if you showed up to this motherfucker one day, right? And I didn't call you, um, or nobody calls you to take you out to lunch, and you just show up here, and you just gone. They're like, really, that's it. The ride is over. You got to treat motherfuckers better than that, though, dog. Uh, you expect for motherfuckers to treat people better than that, but... In this shrewd world of, of of money and business and there's somebody above you, I mean, some motherfuckers just ain't going to give you the motherfucking dignity you deserve. You mm-hmm. get me? And this is Hollywood. Yeah, we... <laughs> you know what I mean? People act for that shit all day. Mm-hmm. Niggas been doing shit for 20, 30 years. And we still trying to get respect for motherfuckers to be considered like... Nigga, I'm just like you. Don't, don't. That's all you want is decency. Just don't, be treated don't. decent. You just know. treat me with respect and don't lie to me. Because, see, I'm not mad about the thing about him getting fired. That's just business, right? But to me, especially if motherfucker, like, if it's a dude that's been up there for six months, you don't know if he going to cuss everybody out yeah. on, on the air or whatever like that. Somebody like Felly, give him a chance to say bye. And he's a good guy. You know he's not going to do some bullshit. But you pull him off the air before the end of his shift and stuff. I mean, dude, it's obvious that Morello, God bless him, 
is being fooled by these people. You know what I mean? The consultants and all this kind of stuff. Because how do you tank all of these stations and still have a job? They're trying to keep their check going. That, that's what I'm saying. They're trying to keep their check going. You know, and I, and I don't want to stay on color all night, man, because it's not important. Um, right. When do you think they decided to wear, um, this is how we go roll with things? In what context? Like, you know, with these consultants that you talk about that oh, actually yeah. run the station, right? And I left. I've never known no business to operate in that pretense to where if you're not getting the numbers, everything's supposed to be based off analytics, right? right. If you're a rapper, you're not selling no records, they will tell you, hey, man, it's right here. And Your like last I, two albums don't tank. Definitely. Numbers don't lie, people do. Mm -hmm. Everything should be based off analytics. If you're holding your shit down, you keep your job. Everybody happy. If you're not holding it down, you got to go. It ain't nothing personal. It's just what it is, right? It's 100%. Just, it's just what it is, so. And you go down for 20 years, and everybody is, re I mean, they don't have a program director. Everybody has, has refused the job. Why? Because they don't want to work for those, with those three motherfuckers that are in charge. Well, you know what I mean? Like, don't they have somebody over them? I mean, the owner of the station, but they, I mean, obviously haven't got the picture that there's something rotten in, you know, your trash can and it's starting <coughs> to smell. Yeah, you know, um, you had a lot of motherfuckers hating on you, too. Oh, they still do. You had a whole bunch of, and you came I'm out. I'm finding with, that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I remember, I didn't know you did the Shade Shice record at first. The, yeah. And that was but a see, smash record. people got fucked up about that mm -hmm. is Shade Shice was signed to MS Broadcasting. And the first million dollar check was not to 50 Cent, it was to MS Broadcasting for Shade Scheist. Oh, so Shade was actually signed to the radio station? Was signed to the radio station. It was my job to do it. Oh, wow, you see, you opened up, we breaking news on here now. You remember that record, eight? Yeah, I remember that. Where this I wanna be, I, I produced wanna it. Mm. But it was MS's artist. Oh, okay, so. So when it all hell broke loose, they threw it on me. Yeah, they were supposed see. to play the records, but I went through FCC. That's why I never got busted, mm -hmm. because I went through FCC attorneys and knew corporate was going to fuck me at some point. Let me ask you this. How do a motherfucker get signed to the radio station? That's some shit, ain't it? Eh? Yeah, that's... Well, what happened... Well, it's kind of a long story, but, I mean, Shade was a friend of mine, and I played a demo of it. They said, because of the ratings and all this kind of stuff, and they saw me producing records from Mariah Carey and all these other people, they said, we want some of that money. So produce some records for us, and we'll play the records. That's we'll give you a salary. So I got a million-dollar deal out of the gate for them. Mm -hmm. And they didn't play the records. Power played the records, but not their other stations. You think that was because they was hating them? Oh, hell yes. They'd have been better off. And then they sent me to those stations to fix them when they fucked up. So you had to go down there and tell them because that was a big ass record. They dog. sent me to Hot 97 to fix Hot 97 when Lil Kim shot it up, and then they had the game thing. They had Jay Z going to Power 105 and the Breakfast Club and all this kind of stuff. Who do you think they sent to New York? You had to go out there and hold it down. I had to go pull Jay-Z off the, off the competition. I had to go clean up the, the Atlantic uh, Lil' Kim mess, you know, and do all of that. I mean, it, because people didn't, look, it's the same thing now that it was then. They didn't know the people to have the conversation to squash the shit. 
Yeah, you got a relationship with everybody. And how did you start producing for Mariah Carey? She came into the station one night and we just hit it off. And she, we, she just asked what else I do. I said, oh, I've ma been making beats. She said, let me hear some. And then she heard that Willy Wonka shit and said, oh, that can be the remix for I Still Believe. And that's how that started. That's how that started. And you had actually a pretty good friendship with her too. Yeah, we were, we were cool. He said, we was cool. You, yo, was we cool. was cool. Miss, give me that smile. He miss, said, we miss, was cool. Miss, miss, you smiling yeah. like you hit that or something. See my friend. You smiling like you tapped that ass, I, I man. <laughs> she, was, she was a wonderful person. She's a wonderful person, though. She's a bad motherfucker. Nick Cannon never gave any beef with you over her? Oh, no. Huh? I have nothing against Nick. Nick, I'm glad they had a good run. Yeah, the good man. You produced on some big ass records, man, and you was fucking with everybody at that time, man. I it was mean, fun. I mean, everybody. So, the, and, and with the shade shite shit, man, that's a trip. You never find out the truth about shit that later on was everybody well, and their mama swerving down. That, that was you that did that deal. You know what, dude? It, th what's fucked up is I get blamed for a lot of shit, and people take the credit for a lot of shit that I did. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I just never felt like you know. I just stay quiet. I, you know, like like with you. You never address beef. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, throughout your career, you have been a gentleman about that shit. Like, you just try to stay out the fray. I mean, because motherfuckers are going to have their opinions. And, you know, um, my, my beef thing went as far as it did over really just neighborhood gang shit. Mm. And then once I was able to, you know, I ain't like on that page, you know, you know, I ain't riding around in the hood with the strap, you know, mm -hmm. with the rag out my pocket, you know, I'm fucking, I done went from that to a different level. So once that happened, like, well, I'm beef with niggas. Beef for what? Like, yeah, it shouldn't be especially. especially I just wouldn't some, address especially it. Especially in some rap shit. Uh, especially like, at this time. No beef with no rap nigga. You yeah, get me? Especially at this time. And, and you know what, Miz? It's almost like you was just born to do radio. You've been working in the radio since you was 12 years old? Yeah. How the fuck do a 12-year-old kid get a job, eh? Very shit. carefully. Um, <laughs> shit, I was, a, I was a 14, 15-year-old kid hanging around, you know, got introduced to a nigga who was a beat maker and a DJ at clubs, and he took me and Chill under his wing, nigga, and we was... We was young niggas going to club. I mean, we wasn't. We was starting our rap career. Mm -hmm. um, but that was mentorship. But exactly, nigga. We go to the clubs, nigga, and we was too young to get in. But shit, nigga, we still be hiding out behind the DJs because we get there early, unload the trucks with the crates and all the records. And so by the time the club get to going. Nigga, we already in that, and that motherfucker. This, and that Chilling. was the same, you know, check this out, though. But the same producer that you that took you under his wing as a little kid, you used the remainder of your career pretty much. Oh, yeah, man. Slip did 90% Slip did of my, my production throughout my MCHCM dub career. Loyalty. Uh, that's Yeah, that's just... <laughs> That's mm -hmm. just like uh, mentorship, loyalty. Keep going, eh? Slip, Slip was uh, <laughs> Slip was a nigga who was he was, you get me? He was there. He was known, uh, L.A. Sound Control mob. Uh, he knew Lonzo, unknown. Uh, his his pops had a business where they supplied all the speakers for all the concerts at 
World on Wheels or or the convention center and shit. So when I got introduced to Slip, he was already in the world of hip hop. You know, he was a producer. He had done a lot of techno records. Uh, so, and he was a DJ. And so he, he was looking at your DJ clubs like Water the Bush, um, Paradise, all that type of shit. I got to hang out at shit like that as a young kid. And they got coached to fuck up. That's why they sound was polished. Trying to you trying to trans trying to transition from because nigga, I was still in the hood, you know. But, but you're soaking up game. That that is what made me go, oh, instead of catching the bus to the hood today. I'm going to catch the bus over here to Gardena and go chill with them niggas. They had a full track in the studio and nothing but a gang of speakers and DJ equipment. To me, I was fascinated by that shit. And you so were staying out the way. Yeah. It, 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 didn't, it didn't mean shit when we was up at 3 o'clock in the morning wrapping up chords and shit. And then we stop at Tommy Burgers downtown LA and slip by everybody burgers and shit. Like, to me, nigga, that shit was everything. And I was a young kid, didn't want to go to that's school, dope. none of yeah. that shit. Hey, same shit. Mizza, you know, some of this business we talking, that's a movie I want to do, dog. Sure. I, I, I want to do that. I want to do the CM Dub story. And I really, I'm really on my, one of my missions for 2024 back, I'll share something with y'all. And it just kind of just hit me again last week. You know, I was in the hospital last week. I talked to you, we supposed yeah. to do this interview last week. We supposed to start the season up last week. I couldn't even physically call Aiden them and tell them I wasn't coming. I was so bad, I had to, you know, shoot a text out and yeah. say, man, like, I can't, I can't do it. You know, I'm in the hospital. But it made me realize we need to take control of our own stories, man. And yeah. we need to tell our own stories so people not written out of history because a story should be written from a factual standpoint. Like, when they wrote, like, if somebody ever writes a story about the Gangster Chronicles, I want every part of it told, the good, the bad, you know, like everything. Exactly. Well, part of, part of the reason or how I was, I've, I've just can't come back on social media. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, I've hit about a million people. And how I did it was I, I was watching the, um, what's that, Dr. Dre movie with uh, Jimmy Iovine? Mm -hmm. The, whatever, I forgot the name of it, but whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they were telling the story. Oh, I know. Yeah, they were talking. The defiant ones. Yeah, the defiant ones. Yeah, and I'm dope. like, oh, shit, that's how that happened? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, they sure missing a lot of shit. You know that's what I mean? What people have a tendency to rewrite history it, and it, to what suit I said their was needs, you know? Rewriting the narrative. Right. And what keeps us, what keeps rap legendary has always been the narrative. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a story. You know what I mean? What you're saying about the beginning, middle, and end. Well, they what they do is cut out everybody else and say, we did this ourselves. So that they can keep the narrative on themselves. They're not going to tell you that Jimmy called me and said, hey, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't do this. You know what I mean? But what would have happened to Dre's career if I would have taken that call? Exactly. Where would Dre and Snoop be right now? Probably Think Snoop. how much Probably people not even made so much money off of that. How many jobs did that create? Exactly. Now you think about Dr. Dre, right? How many artists he don't work with that he just don't work with no more and they, wherever they at, I don't know their personal relationships or whatever like that, but they could have stayed not talking to each other. And that was the thing. He said, when I first went to him and said, would you work with Snoop again? Well, I just haven't talked to him in a long time, but I'll put that motherfucker back on. And then Snoop said the exact same thing about Dre. So I just put him in the room together. 
Because it always comes down to some ego shit. This Hollywood bullshit of, oh, I love you, I love you, oh, uh, uh, but I won't return your call. Because I don't want to have... It's that bullshit. It's that bullshit. Because they're guilty. They feel guilty because you did so much shit for them. They don't know how to say thank you. But they're being assholes. So do I say sorry? Do I say I love you? Uh, 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 you know what I mean? Like, and it turns into some bullshit. And it's just like, get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here for that shit. Let's work. Let's get some shit done. Hip-hop's fucked up. For a real. Lot of, a lot of that goes... <laughs> A lot of that goes back to, again, uh, the egos of the walks of life that you walk came from. Uh, you know, niggas feeling like, you know, um, I got to represent a certain, a certain uh, gangsterism or hardness to as something as simple with, yeah, tell that nigga to call me. You get me? Mm-hmm. It's or I wonder like, how he's doing. Let well, me give him a call. You know, really, it'd be just the ego of, really our downfall was really because of something else outside of it was nothing really personal so well you know we all make mistakes we all say stupid shit we all do dumb things sometimes but you know it is what it is definitely get over it (laughs) you know what i mean like i know i have shit yeah let me ask you this i have a question man from the audience you and nocturnal Y'all had an affair. You was taking care of Nocturnal. Nocturnal is a good friend of mine to this day. That skit at the beginning of the West Side Connection, that was a joke, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, I was the fucking producer. I could have muted it. Yeah. He can't smoke none of my weed, drink none of my hand. Fuck the miser. I was a producer. I could have hit mute. I thought yeah. it was funny. He I said, kn- take it out. <laughs> we were actually testing the mic. That was the first take, and I just kept it. Yeah, you you know what? I forgot about that record. Miz, you got some production credits like a motherfucker. Hell yeah, play. And I'm going to tell y'all I'm not now. Brag that, Definitely. Them, them, placements, <laughs> them placements didn't have nothing to do with him, his position up at power either because uh-huh. I think at that point you was gone already, wasn't you? Well, I mean, it was around, there was, it was before, during, and after. You know, I was always doing that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but when I, when I was doing radio, they, you know, they said I couldn't do production. You know what I mean? I even put out Cruising and I rapped on it. You know what I mean? Like, God, they hated that one. You know what I mean? But it's like, who gives a fuck? This is hip hop. Yeah, you should be. We're all just having fun. Why was the masses upset that you were producing records? Because they were getting played? Play your position. Like, I, I I don't understand that. Just like, okay, I'm I'm the program director or whatever, but... That's not fair. You I, have I too produce. much power. I produce. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, that. and the thing is... That's just like, you know... It's hating. That's just like, you know, we got the show, and then I turn around and go, well, shit, I'm going to go do me a show. And the next thing you know, I start getting calls from, from you know, other motherfuckers like, oh, you can't do your own show. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, shit, I would love... It. Hey, who, who's the one to be telling you that you need to be doing a show? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, well, when you stop doing for them and you do for yourself, then they say, "Wait a minute, that's my spot." Okay, so they wanted the records, or they wanted those. They wanted those records. Yes, like but you see, they they, they wanted the piece of shade, y'all. So, well, I could see. Well, look at the shade thing. I could see their. I could see their sabotaging ways. 
with, you know, we got a program director who's going out here producing all these records for Shade Shice and Mariah and so-and-so, yeah. and they're not our records. And you didn't clear them to us. Why would I have to clear That's, that's a control. When I'm the one to put them on. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a program director here. I'm not signed to you as an artist or producer. Right. So, but I could see the, the, the workings of that. You get me? Jealous motherfuckers and haters are going to hate because, okay, this nigga working for us as a radio programmer, but he's got hit records out here on other lay and, and to them they feeling like well we want to get into that game so why aren't you bringing those records here yeah and you can still bring them the million dollar check and they still gonna hate on you and trust and believe in what i know about artists ain't no artists out there i don't give a fuck who you is ain't no artist go not no major artists ain't nobody go fuck up their reputation they project their career over just saying well i'm gonna get a radio dude with a beat and you know get a beat from the radio dude hopefully he play it because then, none of, believe me, Mariah Carey didn't need Joel for yeah. nothing at that time. Uh, no, and you know, but that's what was so great about Power 106 and all of the power that we had was we were kind of a and the records too. Like I put Jay-Z and Mariah Carey together, which helped Jay-Z get into, uh, you know, the Philippines and other markets. And I introduced him to Eminem and I, I gave him the Watcher part too. I, I think I pretty much introduced him to Dre. Like, you know, I mean... At the powerhouses. You know what I mean? Like, Man, I don't know you for a long time. How come you ain't never told me none of this shit? You just a humble motherfucker, huh? Well, I mean, it's... I, a lot of people I, don't It was like, my job. I never I, looked at I, it as anything fucking special. And then I don't want motherfuckers you know I mean? to think that I'm trying to use that as a, as a status or stepping stone. Um, a lot of shit just be kept quiet because uh, people look at shit differently. Yeah, for you real. You know... Uh, I gotta gotta keep shit quiet sometimes because, like you said, once motherfuckers find out, yeah. some motherfuckers turn envious and that's like crazy. shit. Envious a motherfucker. Hey, Miz, let me ask because you, you never or motherfucker or motherfucker gonna call you a liar. Yeah, right, nigga. Fine. Yeah, yeah fine right. One. Yeah, right. You did. Sure, you did. Sure, you introduced so and so to whatever. You know, by you being a single man, man, and you being around all of these. Fine ass artists, man. These females, man. How much pussy did you get? How much superstar pussy did you get back? How much I still get? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when Dr. Dre said, I'm not done spending NWA money, mm -hmm. apply it. <laughs> so, man, it just ain't, it, it, it ain't too much, that, it ain't too much that can excite you, then, huh? Nah, man. You know, I, when you've seen it all and done it all, it's just kind of like, you, you kind of just, and you know, the amount of bullshit that I had to deal with and I still deal with, it's like, yo, like, I, you know, yeah, keep it. Man, I Because they're yeah. always after something. There's nobody that's right. just your friend. You know what I mean? People that say, oh, I'm your friend. I love you. Da, 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 da. Yeah, motherfucker, you ain't called me. And, you know what I mean? Like when my grandma died, it was like, yeah, you know, we'll post all this stuff on Instagram, but I won't call you. You know what I mean? Like the real ones picked up the phone and called and said, "This is a this is a treacherous game, and if you uh, if you have been able to withstand a lot of the potholes in the road on your journey, um, once you uh, get to a, a part of the road where for you it's smooth, 
Uh, I, I'm I'm cool. I don't want to pick up no hitchhikers. Mm-mm. I don't want to stop and look at no new no new cars. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Oh man, I could do this. If, no, my shit running fine. It's smooth selling, and I don't want no detours. You get me? Yep. I don't need to try to take the high road to get there faster. Mm-mm. You get me? At this point, I'm on cruise control, and I can just sit back because. Nigga done seen so much bullshit and had to dodge so many curves and obstacles. And then, you know, motherfuckers say they're going to, you know what I'm saying? And next thing you know, you stop at a nigga's gas station for some repairs. And nigga done took your rims off. Yeah, they'll rob you right there. (laughs) You pull off your shit and just making a noise right now and backfiring and shit. So, nigga, once... When you take that long journey and you get to a point to where, nigga, right now, nigga, I'm cruising. Well, you know the biggest thing I don't experience, Dave, is you could be everybody's best friend. Mm-mm. I'm going to tell you a powerful word. The first time you say, as long as you're saying, oh, yeah, I could do it, no matter how much it's hurting you, no matter, people don't give a fuck about the rest it may be putting you under, as long as you keep saying yeah to them. The moment you say no, you ain't shit. That's when you find out how, you, how they really feel about you. You know what? Let me ask you a question. And Steele, you saw it. How many people did I make rich? Made a whole bunch of motherfuckers very wealthy. I haven't heard from nobody since I left Power 106. Not one person. Nobody. Um, let me ask except for Except for Ja Rule and Irv Gotti. They're the, people from my own coast don't even give me the credit. But... Irv Gotti and Ja Rule, every time they're on Drink Champs, anything like that, they mention me. Thank you for doing what you did. That's crazy, man. Isn't that nutty? That, that's real but crazy. That's, you're, that's what he's saying. Is They'll be your friend when you can do something. They're not your friend when you do whatever. And it'll be motherfuckers right in your own backyard. Who, who ah, yeah. It's always the closest to your own. Let me ask you this. Man. Let me ask you this, man. Hell yeah. You, you got into the radio game when you were 12 years old, right? As a 12-year-old kid from Oxnard, did you ever Santa imagine? Barbara. Santa Barbara. As a 12-year-old kid. Five, as a 12-year-old kid from Santa Barbara, did you ever imagine that you would have the career that you all, yeah, do all the stuff that you've done? Hell no. Dude, when I saw that I was number four in the Source Power 30, I shit myself. Like I was like, there's no way this is me. Like, this is Source magazine. Like, there's no way. When I read the review of Nate Dogg's music in me, the title track, I was just like, there's no way. Like, there's just, who are you right now? And you did it's, it, You're man. living your dream. You know, it's... You did it. So you, look, I'll go back. That tripped me out. So you and E-Man don't talk all the time? No. With all, just with all the history. You want to talk alone. about the number one hater on the planet is E-Man. E-Man, for those that don't know He's been E-Man. saying shit for years, but God bless him. Yeah, E-Man is the, what is he, the um, associate PD? He's, he's, he's the director? Well, I don't want to get into that. But yeah, whatever. Do you ever think we'll see you back on power? Or radio? Not with the people that are running it now. What would it take for you to come back? Either buy that motherfucker or gut it. You but think- I tell you this, I'd make that motherfucker number one faster than you could shake a stick at it. Oh, for sure. Well, I, you know... <laughs> We, we about to shut this down, but yeah. we got some other stuff to talk to you about, man. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us this evening. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find a purple mic on the front of your screen, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, and rating. 
Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles podcast are Norman Steele and Aaron MCA Tyler. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt, and our audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of iHeartMedia Network and the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. 
Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.